Welcome to today's episode of Talking Softball with Coach B. We've had some good conversations over the last couple of weeks. We've, we've hit on recruiting a little bit. Last time we talked about uh, player development and really talking about the mental and emotional development and its importance along with the physical skill development of our players. Um, today I'm going to go a little different route. Um, I, I'm going to talk particularly to coaches and parents today. Because I think that that we have to understand that if our players are responding a certain way emotionally, it's it's probably something that they learned from an adult figure. Because our players, our, our young players, especially the 10s and 12s and 14s, they're very impressionable. And, uh, you know, I, I can look back and... And growing up, I would go out in the yard and, and I'd want to be Pete Rose or Mickey Mantle or whoever the, the great players were at the time. You know, I would go out and try to emulate them when I was, when I was playing ball in the backyard. So I, I think we have to understand that we as adults are all role models on the field, in the dugout, in the bleachers, during games. And, and, and our, our players' eyes are watching, and they are, uh, they are taking in what they see, and hopefully they're, uh, they are uh, emulating the good things, and hopefully they're not going to emulate some of the bad things. And, and I'm just going to talk from experience, what I've seen, what I've heard, you know, one of the first things I'm going to say is uh, I am not coming on a uh, from a situation where I am sitting uh, on a pedestal and, and talking down to people uh, because I've had a long career in this game as a coach, and, and I feel like there have been times I've had a positive impact on the game and on my players, but I also know there's been a time that I've had a negative impact on, on players and on the game because of my actions. And so I'm not, I'm not speaking from someone who is saying, don't do that because I've never done that. I have been in a situation where I've lost emotional control based on the situation of the game and may have been with umpires, may have been with an opponent or my players. And uh, I, just, I, I just look back at it now and go, yeah, I probably handled that the wrong way and, and probably did not put myself in a positive light for those watching the game. And, and that's one thing that, that I've tried to, to think a lot about through uh, my career and now in my role as an organizational director and, and coaching the 18 national team um, is I want to make sure that our teams, our coaches, our fans, myself – that we, we conduct ourselves in a way that if someone who's never seen the game of softball walks up and is watching the game, that they walk away and go, wow, that's a great game. That's, that's a great game. That was played between two great teams. Everyone used great sportsmanship. Uh, everyone competed hard. And at the end of the day, they walked away with their heads held high on both sides, and everyone conducted themselves accordingly. Um, so that's that's where I'm going today is just the conduct of our coaches and our parents and the effect it has on our players. 
and ultimately could lead to their conduct potentially being questioned uh, in situations. So, um, you know, I've heard a lot lately. I've, I've had some people come to me and, and, and share experiences and share what they've seen, and, and, and it hasn't been good. You know, I talked uh, earlier today with a friend of mine that, that uh, is a tournament director, and we were talking about the, the umpire shortage that we have and why we're losing umpires. And, and I, I've talked to uh, umpires in chief and, and umpire coordinators about this issue, and, and I hear over and over again it has a lot to do with the decorum of coaches, decorum of players, and, and decorum of fans that, that are just driving umpires away from the game. And that's bad for our game because if we don't have quality umpires, uh, then the quality of our game is going to suffer, you know. And, and, and I don't know how many times I've been out at a, at a 12U game or a younger age level game, and, yeah, the umpiring hasn't been real good, but the umpires working that game were probably young, or early in their umpiring career, and and they're trying to learn how to umpire. Uh, And there's a lot that goes into that. It's a lot more than just balls and strikes, safes and outs. Obviously, they have to be prepared for for every situation on the field, but, you know, they're also responsible for a number of other areas throughout the game and working with their partner. They may not know the partner they're working with, and that, that can create some stress and anxiety in, in the crew uh, that they have to deal with. And, and all of that gets compounded when coaches and fans lose their minds or, or lose their emotional control in situations in the game. And, and again, I think our coaches need to understand if, if they lose emotional control, their team will probably lose emotional control, and then players will be responding, Right. And, and, and the fans start to feed off of that coach's emotional control. And, and pretty soon we just have a lot of chaos happening. And, and I've been a part of that, so I know. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the little things. It's chirping about balls and strikes, right? You know, it's easy to call balls and strikes from a, a bucket in the corner of the dugout. It's difficult sometimes behind home plate to be calling balls and strikes, it's easy to call safes and outs from the bleachers. Uh, it's easy to call that safer out from the dugout or the coach's box because we all huh, we, we all have a stake in that in that call. you know if, if it's a bang bang play at second base and I'm the third base coach and that umpire calls my runner out and and, and it was one of those half step plays, boy, I'm gonna react. No, she's safe. We need that play. We need that call, right? And and heh, I just run a lot of those through my mind right now, and I think I've said that more than once. But we lose emotional control, and, and as coaches, when we lose our emotional control, it begins to affect our mental approach to the game. It, it, it affects how we're trying to, to, to control strategies of the game. And now we're so wrapped up in the emotion of that call or a series of calls or whatever we think it is that we're really losing sight 
of coaching and really losing our, 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 our role and responsibility as a coach in directing our team in that game. And, and yeah, there's times we, we, we go to bat for our team. We're, we're going to go out there and we're going to argue that call. We're going to go to bat for our team. I get that. I've done that. But I, I also believe that there's a time and a place and a way to do that with, without inciting an emotional uh, issue or creating chaos. And, um, you know, I, I, talking to umpires, is it's an art, right? How do we try to get our point across without being confrontational, right? Players. That's, that's not a role we should ever be in. You know, we, we never want our players to lose emotional control. And when our players are reacting or responding to, to what they think is a bad call, uh, I think it's our responsibility as coaches to, to nip that as quickly as possible so that, so that we get our players back into a better emotional state so that their mental state in the game is under control. Um, you know, I think anytime we get anxious and, and create a lot of emotion, our heart rate goes up and, and everything speeds up all of our body processes and everything speed up and, and we're put on alert. And, and sometimes that's a, a negative for performance, uh, because we start trying to execute at too quick of a pace and we're going to make mistakes, right? But I'm not just talking about umpires, you know, players, coaches, parents. We've all we've all responded to umpires in a certain way. I will tell you this, and 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 I do have a lot of respect for umpires. I've never been on the field with a crew of umpires that influenced the outcome of the game directly. Yeah, some calls played a role in the outcome of a game, but I've never been in a situation where that umpire cost us the game. Now, nah, there's too many things happen during a game to put it on one call. If it's the strike zone, then we got to learn to adapt. You know, those are those are all things that, that we have to learn to to deal with and and make adjustments with. So uh, I can honestly say I don't know that I've ever had a crew of umpires cost me a game. And you know, there's lots of stories out there about oh man, Coach B's hard on umpires. Now, Coach B had high expectations of his umpires to work as hard and perform at a, a level comparable to what I did f- of my players. Yeah, I've been ejected. I think I can count on two hands the number of times I've been ejected in 30-plus in years of coaching. Proud to say in the last four years, uh, it hasn't happened one time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping it doesn't happen in the, re- the remainder of my career because I feel like that's unfair to my team if I'm not there because I've been asked to leave because I lost emotional control. Uh, in, in times in the past when it happened, I was fortunate to have uh, a good, good, strong staff that was able to take over and, and continue to guide the team through the game. But it's not anything that I'm proud of, and I, I don't think it's ever anything that a a coach or player should be proud of or brag about saying, yeah, I got kicked out of a game the other day. Boy, I really got my point across, blah, blah, blah. No, it just means you lost emotional control and you got asked to leave because you were out of control. 
And that's not anything we should ever brag about. Parents, same thing. I mean, you hear stories every year about parents calling umpires out into the parking lot. Right? That, that's too much. That's too much emotion. We're putting way too much on winning or losing that game if it feels like it has to go to a confrontation in the parking lot. You know, moms and dads, just relax. Enjoy watching your kids play. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. But in, enjoy the opportunity to, to, to be at a game and, and watching your daughter play. That should be enough right there that, that you don't have to get so emotionally engaged in the game that you lose perspective of that. And players, again, I, I don't think players should ever lose emotional control. They, they need to be under control. Yes, their emotions can get high, but then they got to bring them back down because they need to continue to perform. And if their emotions get low, they've got to find a way to reach back, grab themselves by the belt loop and, and readjust and, and, and get back to a good, positive mental and emotional state. You know, parents, coaches, you know, I, I heard it the other day, you know, our, our coach just won't listen to us as parents. Or I hear a coach say, I'm not going to talk to the parents because I'm going to talk to their kids. And, and it, you know, it's, coaching is between me and the players, not the parents. Okay. At 18U, I can buy into that. Even 16U a little bit, I can buy into that. But uh, I think there's always an opportunity to talk to parents when the time is right and, and the situation calls for it. But at our younger ages, coaches, <laughs> we need to make sure that our parents understand the plan. And we need to make sure that our, our parents ha have a good understanding of, of what the plan is for the group as a whole and what's the plan for their daughter. Where do we see her fitting into this program and this plan and how can we improve her role moving forward? Those conversations need to happen. I was reading something the other day that said that 90% of conflict could be resolved with better communication. I think that goes a long way in coaching in, in, in how we interact with our, with our players and our parents. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to explain ourselves, but it also gives us an opportunity to get feedback. And, and sometimes the feedback is good. Sometimes the feedback's negative. But all of it is feedback that we can use moving forward to continue to develop the plan for the group and, and for each individual player. So I really encourage coaches to develop a good communication strategy with parents. You know, some people have a 24-hour rule. Some people say we can talk about anything except playing time, you know, and that's kind of the way I leaned was, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but Susie and I are going to talk about playing time. Well, that was good because I was working with college-age athletes, or now I work with 18- and 17-year-old players. When you're working with a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old, it might be difficult to rely on that level of communication to be the tool you use to keep everybody informed about what's happening on the team and what's happening for that individual player. So I think that that again, a lot of those conflicts that develop and we hear about teams disbanding and, 
and, and having issues uh, because the parents and the coaches aren't getting along or the parents aren't getting along. It's all about communication. It's all about being able to talk yourself through the situation and explain your plan well enough that everybody understands it and goes, yeah, that's a good plan. Let's go. Let's make it work. We'll, we'll do what we need to do. You know, players, you've got to be able to communicate. You know, I, I find it really interesting that, you know, our 17- and 18-year-olds that I work with on a regular basis, if they can text you or send you an email, boy, that's communication. Boom, I can get it sent out, say what I want to say. But if we want to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation, that's a challenge. Lots of emotion, uh, uh, lots of stammering, lots of different responses. And, you know, I think we just have to, we have to get back to being able to communicate, right? If a player doesn't understand their role or doesn't understand what's happening, what the process is, they need to be able to go to the coach and talk to them. And they need to be able to ask. And between the two of them, they they need to be able to work that out, you know. And, and I think that's critical. And coaches, I'll speak to you also, is you need to be able to go to them and have a conversation. You need to be able to approach the people that need to have that conversation with you and have a good positive conversation and, and really explain yourself. <laughs> the days of being able to say, do this, and and then Susie says, why? And we respond with, because I said so, those days are over, okay? That's, that, that's not good communication. I think we have to be able to explain why, and we have to encourage our players to ask why, okay? To me, that's baseline communication right there. And for what I see right now, and, and I see all of this emotion, and I see these coaches screaming and hollering at their players, and I'm like, that's, that's not communication. That's loss of emotional control, and, and no one's going to get a positive response out of that. Uh, I see players jump up and respond to an umpire's call or Something, you know, I, I, I talked to one of my hitters the other day. I saw a video of her hitting in a game, and she struck out, and dad said something from the bleachers, right? And she turns around to the bleachers and throws her hands in the air, responding to him, and I'm like, don't ever do that again. Don't ever lose your emotion and, and, and show that kind of response on the field. We shouldn't hear what's being said in the bleachers. That doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening between the lines. But again, it goes back to what I talked about in a previous episode. Kids have been through a lot lately, and adults have been too, and everyone's trying to come back to grasp with their emotions, and I think everyone is is trying to communicate with people, but we, we have to remember that communication is based on, you know, being able to share ideas, being able to listen, right, hear what the other person's saying, and then provide a quality response. And within that response, if there's resolution of a conflict, then great, that's what we need to have. So that's my soapbox today. 
just because I'm, I'm seeing so much of it on the field. I'm seeing coaches that are out of control and screaming and hollering, and, and, and I see players that are responding and, and responding to the coaches, responding to the, to the fans. You know, I, I don't ever think there should be an interaction between players on the field. That's, that, to me, that's something that just shouldn't happen. And there's a lot of that happening. I'm hearing about that happening at 12U games and 14U games. And, I mean, I think we just have to understand that sportsmanship is still a part of the game and sportsmanship is still critical uh, to competition. And, uh, you know, I would say that uh, on, on the flip side of that, for those of you that are of recruitable age as players and your families, I want you to understand that your sportsmanship, the way you communicate, the way you control your emotions, that all plays a role in the recruiting process. I'll share one last story, and then we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, I was out on the road recruiting, oh, four or five years ago, and we were sitting in a ballpark, and a good friend of mine and I were sitting together, and we were talking about how we evaluate players. You know, he said, Kevin, I use the, the 110 method. I said, man, I, I don't know what that is. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty up to date on stuff, but I don't know what the 110 method is. He said, oh, it's real simple. He said, I either stand behind the bleachers or I sit in the bleachers so I can hear the conversation of the parents around me. And, and I'll sit there and I'll take it all in and, and, and you know, just kind of try to be a silent observer. And, you know, I hear mom talking about, Oh, her last coach just didn't do a very good job. He, she didn't, he didn't understand her and didn't use her properly. And her high school coach doesn't use her properly, and he's not a good coach. And he said, in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, well, if I'm going to be her college coach, they're probably going to be saying that about me too. He said, so I just write a 110 next to that player's name. I said, really? I said, what's that going to do for you? He said, well, number one, if I'm sitting in the bleachers and mom looks over my shoulder and sees 110, she's going to think that I think Susie's pretty good. And, you know, she's going to feel good about herself and be able to talk to all of her friends about it. And he said, but it also gives me a really good tool that when I get back to the hotel and I'm flipping through all of my notes for the day, I see that 110 and then I can put the last slash in between the, the two ones and make it no. And no means I'm not recruiting this kid because there's too much baggage that goes with this kid because of what the conversations were that I heard, heard in the bleachers. So I think that we have to always understand people are watching, people are listening, and... Uh, we don't want our loss of emotional control to have a negative impact on what people think of us as individuals, what they think of our daughter as a player or our player, if I'm a coach, and as parents, what they think of that team or as a coach, what they think of that team. You know, I just, I think that we, it's too impressionable. People are very impressionable today. And if we lose emotional control and, and, and we, we, we put ourselves out there in a negative light emotionally, 
uh, it could have lasting effects on everybody involved. And it has an effect on our game because, again, it goes back to what I said when I started. What would a person who has never seen a softball game think if they were standing there or sitting there watching that game? And if they see a coach railing an umpire about every call or every play or they hear moms and dads screaming and hollering at umpires or coaches or they see players showing negative emotional response in situations in the game, what are they going to think about softball? And what are they going to think when they get up and walk out of that ballpark? Will they come back and watch another game? So I, I, I really think that, that, that you know, our emotional control and the way we communicate is critical to the success of our teams and success of our players and, and the overall culture of our team. And, and I use that word culture because you're going to hear me talk a lot about culture in the very near future. Well, that's it for today. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I hope you're enjoying Talking Softball with Coach B. I ask you to subscribe through your local podcast provider. You can also follow us on Facebook.com slash Talking Softball. gives you an opportunity to provide feedback and also provide any questions that you might want us to answer on an upcoming episode. This has been Talking Softball with Coach B, and I want to thank you for listening, and I hope everybody has a great day.